the winter solstice offer us another way of moving through this holiday season? What does the dark bring us? What would it be like to live into the sacredness of a life that isn't continually offering itself to the world? These are some of the questions that Kaylin and I explore as she returns to the podcast to have this conversation about winter solstice, about the holidays, and about staying rooted in our nature as we move through this season. Caitlin works as a corporate communications coach and as a personal depth coach. In her private practice, she helps clients invite all parts of themselves home to lead their lives from a place of embodied knowing. Working to disentangle oppressive internalized systems, using parts integration, and developing rituals are some of her favorite ways to explore belonging. I'm so happy to have her back here on the podcast, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Vanya. I'm really looking forward to talking a little bit with you about the winter solstice, uh, which is this week. And I know we both live in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. And so this question of the longest night of the year is very visceral (laughs) because it's so dark right now. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, in the Northern Hemisphere, the beginning of winter. And yeah, so thanks for being here to talk about this for a little bit. Yes, of course. I love these conversations. And we've been talking about winter solstice this week a lot. And, um, you know, a few thoughts that have come up around it. I know there's so much about the solstice that we can find. And also, of course, a lot of people are talking about the holidays and Christmas coming up. And there's just so much to dive into here. Um, But let me start by asking, do you have any particular questions about the winter solstice um, or this time of the year that have been uh, pressing on you? Well, I think the big question here in some of the stress of the season and the, it's just, it feels like so bright, so energetic and the expectations feel so high, particularly around Christmas. And I'm thinking about what, you know, kind of what you said of like, what does, does the solstice offer us another way Hmm. to engage in this season? Yeah, that's, I think that's like a big um, thematic question of what, what are the guideposts here yeah. that seasonality can can offer us and, and thinking about the solstice can offer us? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so of course the solstice is, is a marking of the turning of the earth and it invites us into our own turnings, right? And to, it invites us into these natural rhythms and this cadence that especially right now, at least in the United States, is so counter to what's happening in the culture. 
In other words, we're in the winter here, we're invited into this um, darkness, into the quiet, into a life that lives mostly underground and quiet and invisible almost. While at the same time in the culture, there's this incredible sort of speed and frantic grasping for meaningful joy and connection. Um, And it's in many ways the busiest time of the year here. I don't know if you would agree with that. It feels like a, it feels like a, a few months is packed into two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I always notice that, especially because I grew up where I grew up, that was not my experience. I was in southeastern Brazil, and at least in my community and, and how I grew up, it was the opposite. It was um, everything slowed down. Mm-hmm. And to the point where you had to plan ahead, you know, there's no dentist appointment, no big, you know, definitely don't try to go to like our version of the DMV or anything like that. It wasn't going to work out. Everything, everyone was on vacation. And of course, it's different because it was summer for us. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I always notice um, so much this dissonance during this season of of where we have so many beautiful stories of depth and meaning, and yet the experience that I hear so often is feeling rushed and pressured and stretched too thin. Um, so we'll just notice that. But yeah, in the but and then here we have the winter solstice in the middle of that, which is this turning that invites us to ponder the darkest night of the year, that invites us to quiet down, that invites us to think about... Um, those times when life seems dormant, to think about what we do after the letting go, after Mm -hmm. the harvest. That's, um, I think, really good medicine for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this question of the inner life. Mm -hmm. So much of, there's so much focus with the holidays that feels like it's about what parties you're going to, what mm. gifts you have to buy. Um, and there's also so much input in our culture, right? That we're constantly taking in other things, but not necessarily feeling connected to our own inner world. And I think that this, this picture that you just laid out of, of, of nature lying dormant, but there's still being life. There's still being life within it. It's a it's a concept that feels hard to even wrap our minds around because anything that's not in our face feels dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're generally speaking a culture that values growth and light and sort of um, b- blossoming. And if we want to use even more probably accurate language, productivity and um, ascension. And and then, yeah, here we have the winter solstice reminding us that part of our nature and part of our experience is to descend, is to Mm -hmm. sit quietly in the dark, literally and metaphorically, 
is to learn to listen to the silence and the quiet that holds us. Mm. Um, the other thing what you said that brings up for me is this paradox that the winter solstice invites us into. And mm. again, living here in the Northwest, it's very meaningful because it's so dark right now for so long and we're approaching the longest night of the year and preparing ourselves for the longest night of the year and a very gray usually usually wet winter but the paradox is that at the same time that we're celebrating the longest night of the year the darkest moment right this what's happening in that exact moment is that the light begins to return that the darkness is pregnant with a promise of the light. And this is the complexity, the paradox that we're invited into when we really descend and meditate on this winter solstice and what the earth is showing us here that is a part of our nature, right? That is a part of who we are. And I think it's it's one of the beautiful truths that we live is that the earth is teaching us what we are, is teaching us maybe everything we need to know <laughs> because we can see so many different uh, ways of being. We could also see archetypal patterns, archetypal uh, s- styles of consciousness, winter being one of them, right? Where there is this invitation of what all that we're talking about and in a beautiful way, too, an invitation to remember the magnificence of a life that does not constantly offer itself to the world, mm. right? That in the winter, we see this, that, that this way belongs. It's part of us, in other words, because in winter, for us here, at least, it's not really a time of great harvest and fruit and flowering and many trees have let go of their of their leaves. Um, the grass and the the berry bushes here on the land where I live are just brown sticks, right? There's so much of that happening, and yet life hums on, and it goes on just as powerfully. It's just showing us itself in a different way. And this year. And this winter, as I've thought about the solstice, that's a question I've really been invited into is what, how do, what would it be like to live a life that isn't continually offering itself to the world? And that's so transgressive to our, the way we're taught to value our lives and our days and what we quote unquote do that it really then it's like a, a trap door that leads us into even more powerful questions of, you know, what is it that I think makes my life valuable and meaningful? Really, yeah. really for me, right? And that's just another, I think, gift that the solstice brings. It has brought to me, I can say this year, especially. Yeah, hearing you say that, I'm thinking about how even... I'm thinking about the connection between feelings and entering this darkness, experiencing the seasonality and rhythms and how 
in our culture, we often don't want to feel anything that's not mm. joyful and happy. And we have all of these mechanisms and all of these pills and all of these wellness hacks and tricks mm-hmm. so that we don't have to feel maybe a dark, our darker emotions is one way to think about it or yeah. put it. So I'm just, I'm connecting with that as you, as you say that, because it feels so embedded in, in our culture. Oh yeah. That's so, that's so true. And such a good point. And so part of the invitation too of winter is for us to ask ourselves, what have we exiled in our lives that lives in the shadow that we're not allowing into sort of our awareness and into our belonging? They're not allowed to come home. And yeah, for, for many of us in this culture, you know, any feeling that doesn't produce, (laughs) uh, feelings of growth. And, uh, if we look at it seasonally, you know, summer, Maybe the end of spring where things are being given to the world. Um, But if we look at that metaphorically in terms of what is our own relationship with some of these experiences that are a part of us, that belong with us, and yet have been continually exiled into the shadow of our Mm. experience, right? And how can we homecome those? How can we bring them back? So Mm. feelings of... um, sadness of um, nostalgia of anxiety you know we, we could say a lot about anxiety I won't say that right now but and what it is but um, <laughs> now I'm really curious <laughs> um, our, our fears our um, even just feelings of of Um, what we would say that belong in sort of Saturn's house of heaviness, of weightedness, of slowness, feelings of what of descent, mm. right? That don't encourage us to produce, don't encourage us to consume, don't encourage us to sort of justify our place in the world through these measures. Mm-hmm. That oftentimes they can be difficult to welcome Mm -hmm. and to say, oh, you too belong, you know. Um, But yeah, I think that's a beautiful invitation of winter too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you get to lie dormant. (laughs) You get to not produce. It's almost like you must. Mm. That's what nature teaches us. It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. And it's very easy to see and that in order to have spring and har- and then the harvest and the fall and the growth of summer, the, the dormancy is necessary, right? Mm-hmm. We can look at it at biologically in, in our ecological systems that, that it must this is a part of what we are. We are nature. We are made of the earth. We are made of stardust. We belong here. And and culture hums on and there are great things about it and hard things about it. But 
what we are what we are and the rhythms of our of of life and all the m- multiple ways of being that are a part of what we are are all evident to us through our home through mm-hmm. more than human nature through the land through the animals through the plants you know we can remember ourselves in that way and and in the solstice the winter solstice remember that sometimes we must sit in the mm-hmm. dark sometimes we must lie dormant sometimes we must keep our fruits to ourselves you know and not yeah. offer everything out to the world we mm-hmm. it reminds me of what you were saying about the inner life we turn in and we gestate and we rest mm-hmm. really and right and 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 these are a must yeah does that make sense Is that, yeah yeah that it resonates and it's it's tempting and maybe this is some of even like um some dogmatic thinking that's coming to mind but it's tempting to say that the darkness exists so that the light can come or that that we must go dormant so that we can flourish like it's still the emphasis is still on the blossoming or the blooming and I'm just you saying that kind of reminded me like this season has its own way and its own gift that isn't just in comparison to the ultimate outcome as in what I'm really comparing this to is Christianity, right? Like, Oh yeah. Death must happen so that the resurrection can come. Like, Uh I think that's so embedded in the way that I think that I even see it when I'm thinking about solstice, Mm. like, Oh, I have to go through this so I can get to something else. Uh And I wonder how even that thinking keeps me, keeps me from really entering the dark. If that does that make sense? Well, uh, yes, and and this isn't only true in a religious paradigm. We can look at the way that our culture, even in in wellness therapeutic culture, right? What what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. This kind of idea, like it'll all be worth it because your life after loss will be even better, right? In other words, right. we're still in the hierarchy. Right, we're mm-hmm. still saying this is the best one, and so rather than entering into an experience as a sacred way, we're using it as a as a as a commodity, as a tool, to still mm-hmm. uphold the hierarchy of what is actually desirable or belongs. We're still exiling that way of being. We're just it can sort of belong if it serves that as a tool. Right. To get us to where we really want to be. Yeah. I think that's so important because, again, these aren't just abstract ideas. They're part of our experience. They're part of ourselves that that we want to increase our belonging to and with and of. Right. That. um, But it's so easy to slip into that. And then, yeah, exactly what you said. Then we don't actually enter and into the actual experience. This is true about grief, about um, any kind of loss, about any kind of, again, what's been cast into the shadows that we have a difficulty with, culturally speaking, collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just those things that 
circle back around, right? Like, I think I'm just thinking about my own life and the seasons that felt really dark emotionally or really depressing. And I think I learned how to push it away, push it away, push it away. But the times that I could actually welcome grief, could actually welcome and be with sadness, I may, I, I may have um, become more of who I am because of those times than the times of light and joy and happiness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not to make it again about a means to an end, but I think there's some connections there mm-hmm. to, to being with what is. Yeah, and I think you're touching into also just the gift of entering into an experience and what it, it makes us more what we are, reminds us more of what we are. We get to be more whole. We get to be um, more involved in our uh, belonging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, some of the questions we can ask during this time of winter solstice, um, are, we've already touched on some. What is the dark bringing me? What has it brought me? What does it feel like to descend and, and, and rest in the silence and the quiet of winter? Mm-hmm. What is it like to be in a life that is not offering itself in an external way but rather is turned inward can I still believe in my worth and my value and letting that meditation sink in and what is my relationship to the light and to that part of life too because that is also simultaneously return beginning to return right and I think these are all beautiful questions especially like we're saying in a time that here in this country, at least where we are, that gets so um, ramped up and busy and full and bright and light and, you know, hopefully full of good things too. And, but, but a a really uh, fast pace. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think some of the ways that we can do that, you know, well, let me ask you, are there ways in your life that you do that, that you've found this year or in the past that to invite these questions and these ways of being sort of stitch them to the cultural experience or or maybe a better image or more true image is how we root ourselves in what we are, even as we play with culture, but that we're rooted in our nature. And what would that be like? And how can we um, remember ourselves to our to our nature, to ourselves, even as we yeah play and dance with all the things that are happening right now in culture? Yeah, it feels like the elements have so much to offer. Um, we have we're lucky enough to have a fireplace in our home, and my partner's been making a lot of fires because it just feels like a way to honor the season it feels yeah. it feels connected to that I mean we have a we have the tradition of going and getting a Christmas tree every year um and 
there's something about the tradition of that too that's like marking and bringing in this nature into our home I mean for better mm-hmm. or worse but um but yeah having that alongside a fire feels so just uh restorative connective I yeah it feels really like part of the season I guess yeah beautiful yeah same I've had I've had a fire going since October <laughs> um, <laughs> here in my house. I mean, it goes out at night sometimes, but um, that the experience of tending the fire is so wonderful, sometimes hard early in the morning <laughs> when it's cold. And um, But yeah, the elements and that fire is such an invitation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Making a winter altar is similar to that, right? Maybe you don't have a fireplace, but a candle... Um, that you light every morning to remember when you're making your coffee um, or where you put winter um, nature things on the altar or things that are meaningful, things that invite us to reflect on these ways of being, on these questions for their own sake, right? This way of being, this invitation, this must sort of in our nature and, and having something tangible that invites us to remember ourselves. Um, one thing that I like to do sometimes when I'm trying to keep something close is wear a bracelet or a necklace or a scarf or something that is tangible, that I can see, that I can touch, that I can feel, that reminds me where I'm rooted or what I'm trying to keep close. In this case, that as we go along and, and do all the holiday things, that we remember that we're rooted in a, that deep time and that deep rhythm and that expansive, really almost unimaginable belonging that we're never going to be too big or outside of what we're made of, right? Mm. That we're held in that, especially during a time where belonging can feel tricky for yeah. some folks, that, that, that we find ways to remember that our belonging is already <laughs> expansive and deep. And because yeah. we belong here on this earth, we belong here in this milky way. <laughs> um, so that's one way. And and gathering in community, having one other friend to honor the solstice. Um, and there's so many resources now about how to celebrate sol- uh, solstice, right? I'm sure people can Google it and find a way that resonates with with you, uh, with each person, but, but finding one other person or a couple other people to gather to around it is always really sweet. Um, or our pets or, you know, our inner, uh, companions or allies. So, um, a few ways to, to do that. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. Do you have a communal practice that you have done or do? Yeah, I usually try to um, make a winter spiral. Mm. Um, so I, I take some cedar boughs. I live where there's a lot of cedars and make a, a big spiral. And I've done this on my lawn. I've done this in the forest. I've done this in my office. I've done this in my living room. So you can do it anywhere. 
and I make the spiral and then at the center put either a stump or a small table with a candle and then um, we gather around it and say a few words about the winter solstice and everyone has a candle and we sing and we witness each other each one at a time walking the spiral lighting the candle at the center and then slowly walking back out and we just sing and witness until every person that's present has done the spiral that's my favorite um yeah how about you I usually have some sort of what I'm letting go of and what I'm calling into with the solstices um and yeah and usually that will be with with the light so it'll be completely dark and then we'll light the candle as a mark of of calling I guess yeah calling in the light welcoming the light back in as it slightly increases every day but that's usually some sort of the the one of the rituals that we do and I feel inspired to to do a spiral ritual Mm -hmm. now (laughs) so thanks for that oh yeah Wonderful. Yeah, it's such a good reminder, too, that at any turning, whether it's the full moon, the new moon, the solstices, the equinoxes, and all the other opportunities we have to remember that everything is in in constant motion and turning is what needs more and what needs less, right? Mm -hmm. What do I need to let go of? And I was thinking about that question this morning because... It feels more true even to say what is already falling that I can either lean into and have accept gracefully and with surrender or fight against. But usually the thing's already falling, you know, but yeah, what do we need to let go of? What needs less? What needs more? Always really simple but powerful questions to ask um, at each turning. Again, whether that's monthly or yearly. Um, and of course, we have the new year coming up too. So great reminder of these questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know we both wish every listener a deep, beautiful, meaningful winter solstice and holiday. And may we... Find ways to be, to remember ourselves, to root ourselves in our nature. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. in the next couple of weeks. Well, always, I guess. (laughs) Um, Anything else you wanted to say, Caitlin, before we wrap up? I'm going to be walking away with this question of what does it mean to have a life that doesn't offer itself to the world all the time? It's the perfect question for the season for me. Yeah. So thanks. Me too. Yeah. 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 And to notice our sense of permission to deepen Mm -hmm. into that truth that maybe that's, maybe that's, a sacred way of being just as sacred Mm -hmm. as any other way. Mm -hmm. It's a, yeah. yeah. 
Well, I, I think of uh, as we prepare for the longest night to, to, to look at our relationship with, with all of these questions, I want to I wanna end with these words from T.S. Eliot. But I said to my soul, be still, wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait without love, for love would be love of the wrong thing. There is yet faith and hope and love, but they are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you are not ready for thought. And so the darkness shall be the light, and the stillness the dancing. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some of your time here today. And Earlier this year, we launched Belonging to the Wild, and it has been such a wonderful and fun adventure. We've had so many brilliant and brave and honest um, and generous guests here and co-hosts, and it's been so wonderful to hear from some of you around your thoughts and insights around our conversations. And I'm so grateful to Caitlin Wildare for helping me launch this podcast, helping me produce it, and for sometimes coming on as a co-host. I'm so grateful. I'm in the process of dreaming up the next uh, plans for the podcast in the new year. So if you have any ideas about what you'd like to hear us talk about, please send me a message. I would love to hear from you. I'll put a little link in the show notes where you can uh, send me a message. As always, if you have a few extra seconds to subscribe or follow, to leave a five-star rating and even a little review, and most of all, my favorite is to share it with a friend that you think might enjoy these conversations and might feel a little more accompanied and a little more belonging as we all travel this pathless path. So uh, thank you so much and I will see you all in the new year. Mm-hmm.